Thank you one and all for supporting my podcast. All of the likes, shares, DMs, and emails I've received about the topics I discuss keep me encouraged. Please continue sending the love, sharing my podcast, rating my podcast five stars if you think it's worthy of that. And if you are so inclined, drop a little something-something in my virtual tip jar. Details for that are in the podcast description. And speaking of podcasts, mine begins now. The Thanksgiving holidays are almost upon us, and there are a lot of health warnings being circulated on TV, radio, and the internet that mirror what's being said here by Denver Health. Thanksgiving, of course, the safest thing to do is to confine your celebration to those who you already live with. If you are to gather with other family members, keep it small. If you are eating together in the same household, I would advise against having a big buffet. You should have one person plate the meals and not have multiple people coming up and all helping themselves. And then social distance as much as you can within your home. Those who are really vulnerable to severe illness from COVID, it would be best to have them be at home with their immediate family living in their own household. Just protect them for a little bit longer until we have the vaccine available to them. Eventually, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Festivus, Kwanzaa, and all the other December holidays will be over. 2021 will emerge, and with it, a return to the office. At least, some people think so, and have made huge investments in returning to the office. They have also created some severe penalties. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Well, I'll tell you after this word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Black History Quiz because it takes more than a month to learn our history. History is not black and white. It's complicated. America was built on slave labor, yet blacks owned slaves as well. The Republican Party was founded to abolish slavery, but today most blacks vote Democrat. And sometimes, just sometimes, African kings marry white. No matter the race, people are complicated, filled with contradictions and changed with the times. To view history through the lenses of today's culture cheats the learner of the full story. Black History Quiz is a newsletter that shares facts you might not have learned in school and certainly did not learn from mainstream media. Black History Quiz educates, sparks debate, and often puts history in a brand new light. Visit blackhistoryquiz.com and subscribe to the weekly newsletter. No matter your perspective of history, you will not be disappointed. Blackhistoryquiz.com Moderna Therapeutics, a pharmaceutical company in the running to develop a vaccine to suppress COVID-19, reported promising clinical results of an efficacy rate of 94.5% following phase three trials. CBS News reports. Moderna says its version of the COVID-19 vaccine showed to be 94.5% effective in preliminary data from an ongoing trial. The announcement comes a week after competitor Pfizer Incorporated announced its own vaccine was more than 90% effective. Both companies are on track to seek permission within weeks for emergency use in the United States. The United States just topped 11 million COVID-19 cases over the weekend, with 1 million cases recorded in the past week. Katie Johnston for CBS Local News. 
This is good news indeed. And while there are still challenges to be addressed with these vaccines, like being able to store them at very low temperatures and shipping and storing such fragile cargoes for worldwide distribution, there is a lot more optimism in the marketplace for a return to some sort of normalcy. Case in point, PitchBook is a financial data and software company headquartered in Seattle, Washington. They recently published a report on how tech startups pivot to help offices reopen. Let me share some of what they said. I'm quoting the report summary here. Um, As the COVID-19 pandemic continues to necessitate adaptive work environments, more employers are exploring how to create a safe and effective office space for when employees return. Contact tracing technologies which identify, assess, and manage people who have been exposed to an infectious disease to break the train of transmission allow employers to more easily track potential risk from COVID-19 and provide a more comfortable office experience for employees. And here are some of the companies cited in that report. Envoy is an office management platform primarily known for its visitor tracking and conference room booking solutions. The company has rolled out Envoy Protect, a system to track which employees are sick and manage crowded workspaces. Care Validate creates proximity tracking for senior homes but has expanded its workplace offerings to include daily mobile health screenings, badge tracking, and at-home testing apps. And Hipla Technologies is known for its visitor management system, which includes touchless office access. In response to the pandemic, it rolled out ContaTrack, which uses video to monitor offices, schools, and warehouses to track social distancing and mask wearing. Hmm. <laughs> Technology to track sick employees, video to monitor whether or not you are wearing a mask or social distancing, sounds a bit draconian to me. Still, it's nowhere near as scary as what's going on in Australia these days. Here's a headline from the Daily Mail, uh, dated August 2020. No jab, no job. Bosses demand a right to sack their workers if they refuse to get a coronavirus vaccine when one is available in Australia, and powerful unions look set to back them. Here is a quote, (laughs) wow, that was a long headline, but here is a quote from that article. And for those who don't know, sacking a worker is another way of saying firing a worker. Small businesses are pushing for the right to sack staff members who refuse to get a COVID-19 vaccine when one becomes available in Australia. Prime Minister Scott Morrison this week announced the government had signed a memorandum of understanding with pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca Australia to secure the promising Oxford University vaccines candidate. 
The government hopes the coronavirus vaccine will reach Australia by early next year and wants 95% of people to get the jab. Mr. Morrison said he would like to make the vaccine as mandatory as possible, but does not have the power to make it compulsory. The Council of Small Business Organizations Australia has since proposed law changes that would give employers the power to sack workers who refuse the jab. If one of my staff members says, no, I'm against it, then I'm going to have to say, I'm sorry then, you are a threat to my business. Council CEO Peter Strong told 7 News. If you don't sack them, you don't have a business, especially if you're in a high contact area where you've got a lot of customers. It's not discrimination. That's a business decision. The article I just quoted was dated August 20th, 2020. Around the same time, there was a freedom march where Australians protested against mandatory vaccines. Here's an eyewitness account from one of the marchers. And FYI, there looks to be about uh, a few hundred marchers walking along with him. Hi guys, here in Rundle Mall, there's a march for medical freedom. My buddy, my choice. Here with all the protesters. There's a lot of noise being made. Everyone's peacefully protesting. My buddy, my choice, medical freedom. That's the message today. Everyone's behind it here in the march and we're marching for freedom. Check it out. Man, <laughs> there is so much to debate here. Uh, let me rattle off a few issues top of mind. Um, if a company is in an area where COVID-19 has increased substantially, does it make sense not to have a vaccination mandate in that area? If a company requires their employees to get vaccinated, can employers be held liable if something goes wrong with the vaccine that they require their employees to take? That's an important question. What rights do people have over their own health care choices? Does COVID-19 overturn the argument, my body, my choice? If so many people refuse to take the vaccine, then how many businesses will suffer? How many businesses won't be able to operate? And how can businesses that require vaccinations for their employees compete with competitors who might not? Hmm. The problem with mandates like this is that there is a chance of a snowfall, snowball effect. Uh, one day it's take the vaccine or you can't work. And the next day is take the vaccine or you will be denied government benefits. You won't be allowed to travel or you won't be able to be included in polite society. Think that's a bit of an exaggeration? <laughs> Think again. Listen to this story from Australia. Uh, this news report was dated, uh, let's see here, yeah, August 20th, 2020. News 7 reports. The health minister isn't ruling out stripping welfare payments from Australians who refuse to be vaccinated against coronavirus. Live to Olivia Leeming in Canberra. Good morning, Olivia. Once a vaccine is ready, what are the critical numbers for it to work? 
Good morning, Anne. Greg Hunt is adamant that as many Australians as possible would need to take the vaccine if one does become available, aiming for a take-up rate of 95% of the population to effectively protect the community. The vaccine in the most advanced stage is from Oxford University and Australians could access that as early as next year if the human trials are successful. Greg Hunt this morning was asked if there could be penalties for anyone who refuses, perhaps limiting welfare payments or travel or even their right to go to a restaurant or sporting event and he's not ruling anything out. I'm confident that uh, very very large numbers of Australians take it up but we reserve the right subject to medical advice to take steps that might uh, might assist. Though One Nation leader Pauline Hanson is seemingly trying to rally the anti-vaxxer vote, pushing against any move to make a coronavirus vaccine mandatory. In a new video on social media, she says she won't be getting it. You have no right to say, I have to have this vaccination, because I tell you what, I won't be having it. I don't have the flu vaccination. That's my choice. Hmm. Is this a preview of things to come to the USA? Uh, attorney Lindsay Ryan from Paulson Nelly uh, debated the issue, or rather discussed the issue, uh, with Yahoo Finance. The topic was called, uh, let's see here, yeah, the topic was called, Can Employers Order Workers to Get a COVID-19 Vaccine? I thought it was <laughs> more than a little interesting. See what you think. We discussed the updates and progress being made on the vaccine front. There has been one question that we've been getting quite a bit here, and that has to do with whether or not your employer can tell you it's time to take one of those vaccines if they should get approved before you return back to uh, the office. And it's an interesting legal question, no doubt without precedent here. And here to discuss that with us and the big question around this uh, is our next guest, Lindsay Ryan. Uh, Paul Sinelli, principal uh, attorney, joins us here. And Lindsay, I mean, when we talk about it, it, it is an interesting question, but what does precedent say? Because I know that there is a bit about that when we think about the flu vaccine as well. So how should people and employers be thinking about it? Right. Well, thanks for having me, Zach. I mean, throughout the pandemic, employers have been facing so many difficult decisions when it comes to furloughs and layoffs. And like you said, the next big question is going to be whether they can and whether they should require their employees to take a vaccine when it becomes available. Um, and just looking historically back at other vaccines, the general answer is that yes, employers can require their employees to get vaccinated as a condition of employment. Now, it, you know, like with everything, just because it's legal doesn't mean that it's absolute um, or that it's recommended. Um, we've already seen, you know, historically with certain employers that, for example, hospitals and healthcare providers will require vaccines like flu vaccines. The difference, of course, with the COVID vaccine um, is that the vaccines such as flu or chickenpox have been around for a long time. So we have long established health data to look back on. Um, but the COVID vaccine not only um, is going to be coming to the table very quickly, but we just don't have that long-term health data. Um, so employers know less about it um, and employees are going to be understandably more reticent about getting vaccinated. And not only that, but I mean, there's also this, this, I guess, privacy question that we're seeing play out here, too, when we think about cases in the office, whether or not you're allowed to talk about it if, if someone tests positive. I mean, there, there does seem to be that uh, in the background playing out through all this, too. 
You're exactly right. And I think one thing that employers need to keep in mind, I mean, first, if employers do choose to mandate the vaccine, they need to be prepared to make accommodations for employees, whether it be on disability grounds or religious grounds. But secondarily, even if it's lawful to mandate a vaccine, employers should expect that there's going to be pushback from employees who, even if they don't consider themselves anti-vaxxers, are going to be understandably reticent about taking a vaccine that is so new. Um, and, you know, they may feel like their privacy is being invaded by an employer mandating such a new vaccine that they know so little about. Um, from the employer's perspective, of course, this could result in low employee morale. Um, they could actually see employees refuse to come into work if they feel strongly enough about it that they just decide not to work, and that could put employers in a tough spot. Um, so I think it, it would be wise for employer, employers not to rush to any decisions to require the vaccine, wait and see what public health officials are saying about it, um, see what kind of guidance comes out, and take a softer approach and maybe strongly encourage the vaccine rather than actually requiring it. OMG! <sighs> All of these issues, wow. It's enough to make your head spin, especially when you consider things like this. While the virus itself is real, very real, it is not the automatic death sentence so many people believe. I have two news reports that prove that. In both cases, they cite data from the CDC. Here's a quote from the news site KSL, which was published on September 1st, 2020. The internet was abuzz over the weekend when an updated report from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention noted that 94% of COVID-19 fatalities from February 1st through August 22nd included some comorbid factors. Another way of looking at that is that doctors didn't list another contributing factor for 6% of 161,392 who reportedly had died from COVID-19 as of that date, either because there wasn't one or because the death certificates weren't complete. As evidenced by an array of online articles and social media posts, people interpreted this data in different ways. It included those who viewed it as a COVID-19 deaths were vastly overinflated because someone who died of COVID-19 may have died because of a pre-existing condition instead. Hmm. And here is a quote from Breitbart News dated September 25th, 2020, which again cited CDC data. It says, as of September 25th, 2020, the U.S. Centers for Disease and Control and Prevention, CDC, updated its estimated infection fatality rate parameters to include age-specific data showing the vast majority of people who contract the Chinese coronavirus survives. To put it plainly, for people 69 years old or younger, the survival rate is between 99.5% and 99.997% while for those 70 years old or older, it is an estimated 94.6%." End quote. So, there's that.
The COVID-19 virus is real. Very real. I think the hysteria around the virus, however, is what makes it especially dangerous. Whether I am right or wrong is irrelevant. What matters is that it will continue to affect the world of work even into New Year. Companies will have to weigh all the ethical, legal, and business options concerning it and soon if they plan to return to an office in 2021. You have been listening to the Things I Think About podcast. If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, I want to know about it. Drop me an email. I can be reached at Jim Stroud. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D at JimStroud.com. So until next time.